You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. I want to bring to you, if I can, a word from the Lord today from Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter number one. And I'm going to direct your attention to four verses of Scripture while we're standing. So we'll be jumping through chapter 1 here and want to highlight just one aspect, one detail that Luke gives to us in this passage. This is Luke's account. It's the last gospel account to be written, we believe, obviously by his own uh, confession at the beginning. And he puts things together here that others did not include. And so in this chapter, we see the angelic appearance to Zechariah, which is the father of John the Baptist, the angelic appearance to Mary. We see stories here, the angelic appearance to the shepherds on the hill that we do, do not see anywhere else in any other gospel. And there's highlights in these stories that Luke brings out that today I want to highlight for you. The angel comes to Zechariah and says, you're going to have a child. It's a miracle birth. And in verse 18, and Zechariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? In the New Living Translation, it uses the word how. Everybody say how. How. And he says, for I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. And then skip the next verse and go to verse 20. The angel's response to him based on what he says. And behold, thou shalt be dumb or silent and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Another angel comes to Mary and speaks to her. And look at what her response is when, when told of a miraculous birth in verse 34. Then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She also asked a question using the word how. How shall this be? goes on a little bit later and the angel explains. She responds again. She goes to her cousin Elizabeth and here's what Elizabeth says to her in verse 45. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. She believed and was blessed. And because the things were going to be performed, Zechariah did not believe. And he asked the same question, did not believe, and he was made silent. I want to appreciate if I can for just a couple of moments this morning, how to answer an angel. How to answer an angel. Or for context in that title, I would also call it the right response to the word of the Lord. Let's lay our Bibles down and ask God to anoint his word to our hearing today. Would you pray with me, Lord, in Jesus' name right now? I thank you for your presence today in this house. I thank you for the blessing of the Holy Ghost that we feel. I thank you for all the wonderful things you're doing among us. But God, today we need a word from God. There are many that are hurting, many that are suffering, many standing in question. And I pray today that your word would give strength today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today, God, let your word 
word gives strength to your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Clap your hands one more time unto the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord today. Two questions, two very different effects. I hope you enjoyed today when you came in. For those that are online not visiting, you, you don't realize yet, but they've got the Christmas tree and full decoration out in the foyer, and we always enjoy that. And uh, we've got a few things up here. Sort of make it festive. We don't have the stars this year hanging from the ceiling. Uh, we didn't want to mess up the new paint job, and we were we were unsure of how, how much we'd be able to be in church. Didn't want to block the view from the balcony. So we missed that. But there is something great about Christmas time. Anybody love Christmas time? Yes. Come on. Anybody excited about Christmas? I'm, I mean, 2020, this should be the best Christmas ever. And uh, I mean, we, we, you know, if we made it through this, amen. And uh, my son loves Christmas. My wife loves Christmas. My wife wanted to put her tree up in October, and I made her wait until November. But we were one of those families that had it up many days before Thanksgiving. Not because we don't celebrate Thanksgiving. We do. We just love Christmas that much. And uh, Janelle will usually at some point in the summer break out Christmas music just to remind herself that it's coming. And uh, we've spent some nights out in the car driving around looking at Christmas lights. I appreciate all of the nativities that I see outside houses. I enjoy the, the Santa jumping off the roof or, or, or whatever that they have. But I also like it when they have a nativity somewhere. And the greatest one is when Santa is at the nativity. I mean, that's just the best of Christmas right there in one picture. So, but there is something magical about the season. We, we say that it's the most wonderful time of the year. And the same is true in scripture because there is something surrounding the story of the nativity that we see that we don't see anywhere else in scripture. The supernatural is never more concentrated than it is in the Word of God surrounding the events of the birth of Messiah, of God manifest in the flesh come down. Think about this for a moment. In just a few short months and, 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 and one year, we see six personal angelic appearances in Scripture. Never at any place do we see that many, and usually there are Few and far between, we see two miraculous births. It doesn't just uh, uh, contain itself on this earth, but we also see celestial anomalies in the heavens that are visible that many could witness, and even royal astrologers would travel halfway around the world to witness. It was so powerful the events that it caused political reactions. There was a charge. There was an action. It was vicious. It was painful. The murder of children, boys at Bethlehem, the reaction of Herod, the conspiracies that would abound, the company 
litany of angels that would appear, not just one angel. If your jaw didn't drop at the sight of one angel, just imagine what the Bible calls a great host, an army of angels praising and magnifying God. Here in this episode, in chapter number two, we see the appearance and, and, and the process of both a prophet and a prophetess at the same time. Simon and Anna would both come together throughout most of Scripture. There would be one prophet or prophetess that would arise, but here we have two together validating one another and so many fulfillments of ancient prophecy come to pass in this time. Truly there's a reason why it's the most wonderful time of the year and there is something magical. We use that term loosely. We don't believe in, in, in just some kind of uh, uh, demonic spirits or arbitrary spirits coming around and having power, but we believe in the one true God, the God Almighty that is in control of everything. And at this point, he sees to unleash his supernatural power and anomalies among humanity like never before. And so the very word Christmas or Christ mass, it is still Christ that is the reason for the season. And even when we celebrate and we put lights up and we decorate, even those who maybe not giving that much attention to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is still something powerful when you pause, amen, to recognize the significance of God Almighty coming down and manifesting himself upon this earth. Wow. I love the Christmas story. I love Christmas time. And I love to jump in scripture and say, okay, God, show me something I've never seen before so I can preach it, so I can teach it, so I can talk about it. And of course, this season, I always try to go to the, the nativity story and find things to pull out. One of my favorite things that I ever saw in this story was a sermon I preached, I think it was three years ago, I shared it, it's on our podcast, Four Reasons to Fear Not, because in the six angelic presence uh, appearances that we have in the first part of the gospel account, four times the angels show up and they say, fear not. Two of those are recorded right here in Luke chapter number one. An angel appears to Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist to be. An angel appears to him. He is a priest. His wife, Elizabeth, is also of the lineage of Aaron. They are Levites. They are the Levitical priesthood. They are the ones who are to carry out the service of the tabernacle, the temple. And so Zechariah is there. The Bible says something unique about them. Luke takes note to identify to us that they were more than just of the lineage of Aaron. They were more than just priest, but there was something unique about them, and that is this, that they were righteous and that they obeyed the Lord. You would think it would be a given to say that they were Levites. And they were priests. You would think that that would be a given, that we would understand that they were righteous and that they obeyed the Lord. 
But in the context of the day that they lived in, it was not so. The Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. And they were the ruling class of the priesthood. They were the ones that were in charge in the temple. Many of them were Hellenistic. They were hedonistic. They would live culturally like the Roman lifestyle. But when it was their lot in charge to go serve at the temple, then they would dress up, do the part, and follow all of the traditions. They would break so much of the spirit of the law that there was great hypocrisy. The Pharisees would be a class that would rise up to condemn them. And the Pharisees themselves would try to follow the letter of the law. But as we've seen in our recent series, they also fell short of the spirit of the law. But there was something unique about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Verse 6, it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. The angel comes to Zechariah while he is serving in the temple. Zechariah, the Bible says, it had fallen to him his lot to go serve in the temple. There's a lot in there that we miss as we read through Western eyes. We don't understand what that means. But when we go back in historical context and we read that and we understand by the time of Christ, the Levitical priesthood had been so large, so many people that you would not have seen one person serving in the temple many times in their life. In fact, some scholars and rabbinical historians have noted that this could have been the one and only singular time that Zacharias would have ever been called upon to go serve in the temple. There would have been so many that they would have cast lots to find out who would have served in that place, not living in Jerusalem, but rather living living out apart from there. At quite some distance, Zechariah would leave his wife, Elizabeth, and he would go. The Bible calls it a week. He would go for that period of time that was designated to serve in the temple. And his lot would have been to be the one. It tells you of his lineage. It tells you what his lot would have been. He would have been the one that would have gone and taken the altar, the altar coals, that altar, the brazen altar where the sin offering and the burnt offering was, where it was in the outer courts where anyone could come. His lot would have been to take the coals of that altar and to take it to a place from where everyone could come that was giving a sin offering to the Lord to a place where no one could go in the holy place and he would carry the coals from the burnt altar, the burnt offering and the the brazen altar. He would carry it into the holy place and there on the altar of incense he would lay those coals and those coals would then begin to burn a sweet fragrance that would smell. It would go up as intercession. And while he would do that, there were certain passages that he would quote. There were certain things that he would say as he would stand there. And Zechariah would not only carry the coals in and place them there, but he would step back and then with his prayer shawl, he would begin to pray. And he would begin to intercede on behalf of the people of Israel. And all of a sudden, there comes an angel that appears. And an angel shows up. Imagine the moment when an angel shows up. How many in here have ever seen an angel? 
Now I get to see one every day. <laughs> Thank you. I say that on Wednesday nights a lot, and I always say I, I should say this on Sundays when she's here. But to truly see an angel, I, I've seen some mysterious things. I, I've seen some things that I'm not sure about. I, I know other people that, that I've spoken to who, who I understand them. They're not making this up, who have seen some divine visitations. But I don't know that I've ever actually seen an angel in this form. And even if I had before, there, there's never a point where it loses its shock value. An angel of the Lord appears to him, and he's a little bit concerned. (laughs) He's a little bit upset. The angel senses it and immediately says, fear not. Puts Puts his anxieties at ease. And the angel answers one of the most powerful things. Fear not. For thy prayer has been heard. The context of this is so great. Zechariah has been called to the temple for one time in his life. One time he's going to get to serve for a a, a few days and he's going to get to bring the intercession as he's praying. The prayer, the angel shows up to him and says, thy prayer has been heard. 400 years of silence. Not a prophet has arisen. Not a word of God has shown up. But all of a sudden, the angel says, thy prayer has been heard. Can I just stop and encourage somebody today? Just because you haven't had an answer doesn't mean your prayer's not being heard. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thy prayer has been heard. There should be great faith in Zechariah at this moment. But Zechariah, long and short, he answers and says, whereby shall I know this? The angel says, your prayer's been heard, and not only has your prayer been heard, but I see where you're at. You and your wife are going to bring forth a son. They're old, well-stricken in years, as the Bible says. They know this is an impossibility. What does my present circumstance have to do with the eternal prayer that I'm praying of intercession? It has everything to do with it. He says, whereby shall I know it? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answered in verse 19 and said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. No other place do we see the angel identify themselves. But on this occasion, there was something that rose up that the angel felt caused to identify himself. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord. And he goes in verse 20, and behold, thou shalt be dumb or silent and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words. 
So Zechariah says, how? And the angel says, you're going to be silent because you do not believe what I'm about to do. I was reading through here because you go on a little bit farther and here comes another angel to Mary. And Mary is here and the angel begins to speak to her and she was troubled. She was also shocked. And here in her concern, the angel says, fear not, verse 30, for thou hast found favor with God and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. In your Bible, it's all capital letters because it is the name of the Lord. It is that name that the Hebrews feared to take in vain, but it is the name of the Lord, which means Jehovah has become my salvation. This is the Messiah. She understood clearly what he was saying, and he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end what a powerful moment Zechariah thy prayer has been heard the 400 years the, the, the many years the prayer of incense that's been laid on this altar and you're standing here and you're praying all of the sudden thy prayer has been heard and I'm about ready to bring it to pass and it's going to involve your life the angel shows up to Mary and says, Mary, you have found favor with God. And he gives to her an understanding which she knew. All of the generations of prophecies that have led up to the moment that you've been seeking for are now about to come to pass. And they're coming to pass in your womb, inside of you. It's going to be you who God chooses to use. And she says, how, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I'm reading through the New Living Translation this year devotionally, and I came across these two passages, and in the New Living Translation, what caught my eye was that it translates Zechariah's response, how can I know this to be true? And Mary says, how shall this be? They both ask the question, how? They both are faced with the question. They both have questions. But one is made silent because he did not believe. And one is blessed because she does believe. Mary goes on to Elizabeth and Elizabeth says, and blessed is she that believed for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And I thought, God, this is not fair. Mary says, how? And you bless her. Zechariah says, how? And you shut him up. It's not fair. But then I looked a little closer and realized they may have used the same wording. 
But they were asking two different things. They were confessing two different things. Zechariah said, how or whereby shall I know this? In other words, he looks at the angel who is telling him that hundreds of years of prophecy is about ready to be fulfilled in this moment. And Zechariah looks and says, prove it. Prove it. I've been waiting too long. I've been praying too long. Life's been too hard. You better prove it. I'm not just running out of here believing that. But yet Mary comes as a virgin, as someone whom life hasn't dealt its blows quite yet. She hasn't come to the place of callousness. She hasn't lived through generations and decades of unanswered prayer. And when the angel of the Lord speaks to her, she doesn't say, prove it. She says, how shall this be? In other words, she was saying, I don't understand. Can I tell you there's a big difference between coming to God and saying, prove it, and coming to God and saying, I don't understand. Come on. I'm preaching to some people that this year's brought you some questions. Some of you have had things that have happened that have pushed you back in your corner, that have stolen your promise and stolen your vision, and you're living for God. Yes, you're still righteous, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth, but you're hardened. And when the promise of God comes, there's something inside of you that says, prove it. I'm not getting up. I'm not going to fall for that one again. I'm not going to be disappointed again. I've been disappointed too much. I'm on my road. I've made up my mind. I'm going to serve God no matter what, but I'm not ready to be disappointed again. Prove it to me. You prove to me that there's going to be a revival. You prove to me that God's going to heal me. You prove to me that God's going to come through. But then there's a Mary who the angel of the Lord brings her something that's bigger than she can imagine. And in her mind, she cannot comprehend it. But she understands the severity of what he's talking about. And she comes to him in her humility and says, but God, I don't understand. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to come to pass. I'm not challenging you. I'm not questioning you. I'm just telling you in my finite mind it does not make sense but she responds and says but be it unto me according to thy word Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today that there is a right way to respond to the word of the Lord. And the way you answer an angel is not say, prove it, but say, hey, I may not understand how it's all going to work out, but I'm still here and I'm trusting God and I'm standing on his promise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, amen. How many of us have ever told God, prove it? Come on, somebody. Wonder how many promises have laid silent because in our stress and anxieties, instead of just being satisfied to tell God, I don't understand, we challenged God. We dared sit on the promises of God that were at work in our life. And the angel said, thou shalt be dumb or silent and not able to speak. Mom used to say something to us. If you kids can't say something nice, 
don't say anything at all. If you kids can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. I don't know, but maybe that's what this angel was saying to him. Zachariah, if you can't say something nice, you ain't saying nothing at all. You cannot speak. There was a great crowd, the Bible says, that was outside as was the custom at this time. They were outside. They were waiting for the priest to make his way back outside. And when he came back outside, it signified that intercession had been made. The prayers had been offered. And there would have been a rejoicing in that crowd. But when Zechariah walked out, they could see something had changed. They could see something affected him. But he could not speak. He could not say a thing. He could not say a word. And God comes later on and speaks to Elizabeth, the the Bible says, and, and Elizabeth has a child. There was a miraculous birth. Not only was Jesus Christ born of a virgin, but God took two individuals who were beyond their ability, and God worked a miracle, not in one of them, but in both of them. John the Baptist was also a spirit child. He was born by the supernatural work of God. God used Zechariah and Elizabeth and he brought about the forerunner but it was done in a miraculous way and when that babe was born they asked her what is the name because Zechariah could not have spoken and she said John and they looked at her and said no it can't be John there's no one in your lineage there's no one in, 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 in the priesthood lineage that's ever been named John it can't be John and they asked Zechariah what is his name? And Zechariah took a writing table and he wrote and said, his name is John. And they marveled all. Oh, he, he was willing now not to question, not to challenge. He went from a place to saying, prove it, to a place to saying, yes, yes, I'm behind it. This is what God has for me. This is what God wants to do for me. Can I preach to somebody today? This has been a tough year for some. For many, it's been a hard year. But even if this year hasn't been hard, and even if this year has been blessed, can I tell you there will be a season in life that you will find yourself that will be so low that you will be so so in such a place where, where life will have just pushed you back so much. Be careful that we don't throw Zachariah under the bus. It was easy for us today to point fingers at Zechariah and say, how dare Zechariah? But can I remind you that Luke qualified it? Luke said, Zechariah and Elizabeth were both righteous. And they were both obeying the commands of the Lord. They were an anomaly in their own family. They were an anomaly in their own Sadduceic party. They were an anomaly in their own workplace. They were an anomaly in their own nation. They were following after the things of God. You want to talk about a context for disruption and and tension and societal tension and political pressures and everything. You go back and you study the history of that. And yet Zechariah comes and he's offering 
offering a prayer to God and the angel shows up. Can I tell you, let's not be so quick to cast stones to the pastors and the preachers and the prayer warriors and the worship leaders and the song leaders and the songwriters that may have had their song trampled on a little bit in 2020 that have lost some things and that have come to a place that say, I don't think revival can happen. Let's not be so quick to cast stones upon people that say our world is lost. There's no hope. We're over. Amen. I'm here to tell you that the word of the God of God still comes and says your prayer has been heard. And it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that the angel looked at him and said, you're going to be silent. You're not going to be able to speak until God's word comes to pass. You may not believe it. You may prove it. But God says, I'm not throwing away all your years of prayer. I'm not throwing away all your years of sacrifice. I'm not throwing away. I'm not dismissing everything you've done just because you had a moment. Oh, hear me, somebody. 2020 has given us a lot of moments to lose faith. Come on, has anybody ever lost faith in the last 12 months? Has there been, I'm not asking for you to raise your hand, but you come to a place where you've lost faith. Amen. I'm here to tell you the grace of God is this, that God says, I'm not throwing away everything else you've done just because something comes along and you lost faith. He said, the word is still going to be performed. And look at what happened when Zechariah writes down his name as John. The Bible says in verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately, hallelujah, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. Hallelujah. You may be in a season of silence. You may be in a wilderness, amen, where you're not able to communicate, but God still keeps his promises. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 So can I tell you, and I come to a close as they come to the music. Life has a way of causing us to question. And it's not the question that gets us in trouble. It's the attitude of the heart that gets us in trouble. Because we see two responses. We see one that said, how But in his response, there was doubt. There was disbelief. And then we see another response that literally used the same word. How shall this be? But in her response, there was faith. You see, we think sometimes that faith has no questions. I'm here to tell you that faith sometimes comes with a lot of questions. Because if I really have faith... I know that God is able to do exceeding abundant what I can ask or think according to the power that works in us. I know that God's able to blow my mind. I know God's able to do the thing that I can't imagine. But that being said, it still leaves me with the question of how's it actually going to happen? Or God, I don't understand. So my challenge today is to make this personal. What is it that God is trying to speak to you about. We can bring it down on the micro level to the decisions you make in your life, the little things 
Where, where do I go? What do I do? Who, who am I with? Those, those questions, God, God what, what do you want? What are you asking of me? And God, you can have an idea. God gives you a promise. And then God says, okay, I've given you this promise, but I want you to do this. Okay, God, I'll do that, but I don't understand. If I do this, how does this come to pass? God's bringing us to a place where we're not going to understand how it all works out. We're not going to know how it all works out, but it all works out when we trust him. Faith knows, God. Okay, Lord, I don't understand, Mary said. I'm a virgin. It is not possible for me. Even, even, okay, Elizabeth had a child. Zachariah had a child, but at least they used to have the propensity for that. And, and, And now you're taking something that's absolutely not possible. And you're saying it's going to come to pass. God says, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She said, Lord, how did this be? I don't know if this helped her. I don't know if this helped her. God, I don't understand. Here's what the angel said. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the most high shall, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that living thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God. Now, this is new length. Nobody in the history of humanity has ever had a conversation like this. It's not like she could go back and say, oh, yeah, I remember that happened. So so that's what. No, this has never happened before. (laughs) Do you catch the significance of what she's saying? What, What the angel's saying? Therefore, that holy thing, that thing that's going to be in you. Oh, yeah. It's also called the son of God. She didn't say, oh, now I understand. No, she did not say that. Okay, I know what you're saying, but I still don't understand. But she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. I don't understand. God gives you an answer. Okay, I still don't understand. But behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. I praise God. I know Brother Sister Caraway are here, and I don't want to embarrass him. I'm not trying to, I know he wouldn't let me do this, but you walked, you gave up some things. You walked away from some things. You lost your pickup truck. <laughs> you willingly gave it up. I understand that, but. You moved out of your house. You did because God called you to a city that I don't know. Had you ever been to Waterloo before? Had either one of you ever? Did you even know about Waterloo? You had heard of it. You'd heard of it, but you'd never been to Waterloo. And God says, I want you to start a church in Waterloo. I wonder how many, how many people God has called to other places. And they said, prove it, Lord. Prove it, Lord. Man, it's going to make, make your life awful hard. But you say, God, I don't understand. I'm going to tell you, Brother Caraway, I don't know. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, Sister Caraway. But if you in this last week still ask God, how is this supposed to work? You're in good company. Can I tell you today that if you've asked God, how does this work? God, you put a desire in my heart. You put something in my heart. How does this work? I'm here to tell you, you're in good company. 
But faith says, God, according to your word, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to follow and I'm going to trust after you. Zachariah and Elizabeth, you got to just keep on keeping on. So what if you've been the person that challenged God and made God prove it, and now you're in this season of silence? Well, the Bible says that Zachariah fulfilled the week that he was given. He stayed there. He, he stayed there until the days of his ministration were accomplished. Then he departed to his own house. He kept on doing what God called him to do. I tell you, the right response to the Word of God is not saying, God, always prove it in my life. But sometimes it's just saying, okay, God, be it unto me according to your Word. What do you want? Would you stand together with me today? Come on, sometimes we make, we make things... We can make our responses more complicated to the Word of God because we don't understand what God is doing. And I'm here to tell you that it is faith that says, God, I don't understand the complexities of what you're doing. But I'm still just simply going to trust you and obey. And Elizabeth closed her saying in verse 45, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Look at what it says in the New Living Translation. It says it this way. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. I'll tell you, you know what faith is? Faith is saying, I just believe that God's going to do what he said. I don't know how it works. I just know he does what he said. I don't know how it comes to pass. I just know he does what he said. So I can trust him with my life. I can trust him with my ministry. I can trust him with my family. I can trust him with my marriage. I can trust him with my career. I can trust him with my finances. I can trust him with everything because God does what he says. Come on, if you want the blessings of the Lord in your life, there's an easy way to get it. There's an easy way to get it. It's complex. You're not going to understand it, but it's just saying, God, I trust you. Here I am. Be it unto me according to your work. Come on. Can I tell you, I'm preaching to somebody, just let God work it out. Stop trying to figure it out on your own and just let God work it out. Come on. I wonder if somebody right now would lift your heart towards heaven. Come on. God's here to do what he said he would do.